The following podcast is for information purposes only and is not suitable for retail investors. Good afternoon and welcome to this week's Chart of the Week podcast. Today is Thursday the 12th of January and I'm joined by Lorenzo Laposta. This week, Lorenzo and I were talking about the outlook for China as it emerges from several years of, of, of strict COVID pandemic restrictions. And Lorenzo and I soon realized that we disagreed on our outlook for China. So Lorenzo, why don't you kick us off by talking about why you have such high expectations for China in 2023? Hello, Ben, and thanks very much for having me uh, this week. And as you say, China has been locked up for the best part of a year. Uh, The government was implementing that zero COVID policy that caused um, social unrest, Uh, some protests on top of um, the obvious economic damages that inflicted the country. However, over the last month or two, uh, Chinese government has been shifting their attention from saving the healthcare system to saving the economy and focusing a bit more on a return to economic growth. This is obviously a massive development for um, the economy, but also for the stock market. Um, that have been both suffering strongly over the past 12 months, and in particular, Chinese equities have already staged a very significant rally from uh, their bottom in October last year, even though um, I believe this to be only the start of it. So looking at China, and I can't help but get a sense of deja vu when I see China as it is today. If we go back uh, about a year to this, this time last year, uh, countries such as the US, UK, generally the West was also coming out of um, lockdown. And like you said, there was a lot of pent up demand. And nine months later, we saw some of the highest levels of inflation we've seen in several decades. We saw sentiment levels dropping to record lows. And now there are widespread expectations of a recession. As China reopens, and it is in, by some measures the world's largest economy, and with 1.4 billion consumers effectively released onto the the world's markets. What's to stop all that from happening again? And what's stopping central banks from once again underestimating the inflationary effects that China may have? Well, in my opinion, the macroeconomic picture is very different from what it was, say, 18 months ago. Uh, sure, you know, release of pent-up demand will boost the economic activity, uh, which in turn might be a risk for inflation. Uh, But today, there are no supply chain issues out there, uh, and there were plenty of those uh, when uh, the US and Europe opened up after COVID. Energy prices are now uh, significantly down from their peaks um, that they reached in March or April last year. And on top of that, with many developed countries probably falling into a recession or at best uh, slowing down their activities significantly, then, uh, you know, there is a really little out there that could cause an inflationary problem for China. Okay, so the picture you paint is one that China will be striking out on its own while a lot of the other countries flounder under quite high interest rates. But surely if the global economy, countries such as the US, Europe, which are major trading partners for China, um, will that not negatively impact China as well? China isn't isolated from the world economy and its its economy still heavily relies on, on exports. Um, you know, we saw how important China was to supply chains when supply chain pressures were caused by lockdowns. So what's to stop the reverse from that? If there's no demand from places like the US and the Eurozone, 
why might it not be a bad year from China, given that all the other economies are suffering too? Will the domestic demand be enough to reinvigorate the Chinese economy, when actually even before the pandemic it was starting to slow down? Hmm. Well, interesting point. Um, I guess part of the answer is something you mentioned earlier. Um, China has a population of about 1.4 billion people. Uh, their gross domestic product is about uh, 17 trillion US dollars, uh, which is very close to uh, the US one. So, you know, domestic demand can be a massive boost for the economy, but 100% is not a perfect environment for them. Exports are a big part of um, their uh, economy and uh, with global economies out there slowing down and uh, reducing imports from uh, China. That will definitely uh, have an impact. But again, um, here the country, um, as all other countries, is trying to strike a balance between economic growth but not excessive growth, which would uh, instead uh, lead potentially to, to some inflation. Uh, now, China has a few more instruments to fight inflation. Uh, their base rates are still twice as high as inflation rates. So they have some possibilities to um, stimulate growth a bit by easing monetary and fiscal policies. But um, yeah, I don't expect that to be the main driver uh, of growth. Um, the release of pent-up demand, the return to normality will certainly play um, a big part in that. That's certainly a case that China has advantages in terms of its lower levels of inflation, a monetary policy with some space to loosen. Uh, but China also has issues in terms of its debt levels. You spoke about fiscal policy potentially being a tool that could help boost the economy. But China has long struggled or long seen its, its high debt levels as an issue, whether it's through central government debt or through the more local governments and also China's uh, importance, the importance that China places on state-owned enterprises. Um, we saw the impact of overly levered industries in terms of the property sector and, and its, its collapse last year. Um, is there potential potential that we see similar cases of weakness in other industries as well? Well, on these, I think you know, we agree. Uh, investing in China is not a risk-free investment and certainly um, has got a lot more macroeconomic and political uncertainties than many other countries. And uh, it is an emerging market after all. And also I would add that um, uh, you know, the People Banks of China and uh, the government in general have been very, um, let's say, volatile, to use a financial term, uh, in their behavior, in their communication with uh, the population in the world and with their policies. They seem to shift very frequently from focusing on social prosperity and, uh, and you know, making everyone's lives a bit better and more stable. And then sometimes they can move towards something that is more um, capitalistic, let's say, and uh, uh, positive for the economy. So uh, there is a lot of uncertainty out there. And again, I wouldn't just uh, think about um, the good changes that are happening right now, like the reopening, but also, as you say, the risks that are out there in terms of uh, debt levels and uh, and political pressures. Uh, but you know, we we believe uh, that China offers a very interesting opportunity right now. Uh, is a very good entry point from an equity perspective with very uh, cheap valuations, but also looking at fixed income um, offers some very good upside potential. Um, the only thing um, that I would suggest uh, is that of um, not simply embracing China in full, uh, or you end up falling into those risks and traps that you mentioned, but maybe accessing it 
uh, by active managers is a better choice. You know, active managers are able to select stocks and bonds uh, they like more, those that have low risks or higher upside potential. So active management is ever more important within Chinese assets than uh, probably it is elsewhere. Well, Lorenzo, it's been fascinating to discuss it with you. And whatever happens, I'm sure it's going to be a very interesting year ahead. So thank you very much for joining me and looking forward to talking next week. Thank you. See you next week. For professional advisors only, the views expressed are those of Momentum Global Investment Management at the time of recording and are subject to change without notice. Momentum Global Investment Management has used all reasonable efforts to ensure the accuracy of the information contained in this communication, but we cannot guarantee the reliability, completeness or accuracy of the content. This podcast is for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell. Momentum Global Investment Management, company registration number 37330094 has its registered office at the Rex Building, 62 Queen Street, London, EC4R1EB. Momentum Global Investment Management Limited is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority in the United Kingdom, registration number 232357, and is exempt from the requirements of Section 71 of the Financial Advisory and Intermediary Services Act 37 of 2002 in South Africa. In terms of the FSCA FAIS Notice 141 of 2021, published on the 15th of December 2021. For complaint relating to Momentum Global Investment Management's financial services, please contact distribution services at momentum.co.uk. Your capital is at risk.